Today we're going to be talking about works, because it's a work day. And a couple of the other churches in town are, um, the reason, well, uh, first of all, let's talk about the 214 thing. The reason they start at 214 is to remind us of James 214, which we'll be talking about today. Otherwise, that's kind of random and strange that they would pick a not even easy to remember thing. But now that you know that it's about James 214, maybe it'll help you remember it more. And we'll talk about James 2.14 today. But, uh, so today we're going to talk about works a little bit, and then I'm finally going to get to, we've been talking these past few months about all the different stuff Musharraf has been doing in Bangladesh. So the second half of this is, um, we'll be going through some pictures and talking about what he's done, some pictures of the wells that he put in. We took that offering back for wells back in the spring. He sent me lots of pictures of that stuff. We even got a video at the end that uh, someone, someone on YouTube had a well drilling video, how they drill their wells. And uh, it's like five minutes long, but if people want to watch it, we can watch it. It's pretty amazing. It also allows you to see how you can um, so cheaply pay for a well in Bangladesh. Because we think well drilling here, and it's a completely different game. And uh, anyway, we'll get to that. Cool video. Uh, works, everyone has something to give. Um, I want to start with a general disclaimer, because some people will hear works and they get very, very up about it. We believe that you are saved by faith alone. No amount of works, nothing. Um, where we are is renewed creations, and we are renewed to join with him in works. And uh, we are commanded, supposed to do good works, but again, the works itself is not, not what brings us in. Um, was the work of Jesus that brought us in. So let us think of good works as a couple different ways. I preached on this less than a year ago. Um, and I went into some of the Greek with it. But let's think of works in a couple different ways. Let's think about works as actions that build the kingdom and then also actions in which we follow God's way or follow God's, his, uh, I won't say law because we're not, we're not subject to that law, but Throughout the Bible, we can see that there's themes, that things that God asks us to do. So things that God asks us to do in our life, and also ways and actions that we build the kingdom. Uh, throughout the New Testament, works can be referred to in both ways. Um, you just got to look at the context. And then just Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are his workmanship, again, Jesus' work made the way, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are a new creation created for new works. Right from the start. Which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We put a lot of emphasis lately on we want to get out into the community and get some stuff happening to help people and to bring people in. And uh, James, the book of James is a good little handbook on that, so I want to read through James a little bit and uh, kind of talk about what James is talking about, and then we'll get to James 2.14, which focuses on works, again, why we're meeting at 2.14. Um, but starting in James 1, let's just read this together here. Uh, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put all 
Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but instead a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from this world. Just repeating that last one. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the word world. I want to talk about the word orphans there for a minute because it's used interchangeably throughout also with fatherless. And I think that it's interesting to think about it in our current context today as the fatherless and not just orphans because we have a lot of fatherless who have a living father somewhere. But the Bible is very clear when it calls them the fatherless. And it, it should help us to, to re-examine, I mean, widows are widows, but let us re-examine the role of the church. And we can talk about this more later. I, I, there's, I think there's stuff to be said about this, but uh, the church coming alongside single mothers and helping with that fathering. And the statistics on that, like I, like I said, that'll be a different sermon. But the statistics on that, um, they're not getting any better. So you have a bunch of kids growing up with fatherlessness. And uh, it's always been, from the beginning of the Old Testament, when God is dictating actual laws to Moses concerning fatherlessness, all the way until the end of the New Testament, the fatherless are on his mind. So when you see orphan, know that in a lot of translations it goes back and forth between the fatherless and orphans. Um, but, so let's not just focus on those who, whose parents are, are dead. There's also those whose parents have completely abandoned. Um, so what are the main points of this? Jonathan spoke on this passage last week a little bit. And uh, I think the main points, just to drill home three, watch your mouth. Keep your hands serving God and keep your hands clean. I think it sums it up pretty good. I think that's a good, he's setting up right now in James, he's addressing some issues that were happening in the church and serving people and setting an example. So the first thing he's tackling is the mouth and then he starts to bring in the whole action of serving. Um, these are pretty easy points. There's the stuff about anger at the beginning, which we talked about last week again with Jonathan. Um, but I think like if we could drill home, watch in our mouths, keep our hands serving God, keep them busy on God and keeping your hands clean. And by clean, I mean keeping yourself unstained from the world. Um, God says that's, that's true religion. So... Continuing now on into James 2, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and the Lord of glory. Okay, so he's going to talk about partiality. 
speaking some over others. Again, remember that when you read this, this is all in the context of he's talking about serving community and how you serve. Show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man is wearing a gold ring and fine clothing, uh, if he comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Let's just pause there for a minute. We live in a country that for the most part, there's definitely classes, there's definitely income levels, and we wouldn't argue and we understand, we can usually see there's some divisions. It's going in and out. Um, And this, this doesn't strike us out. We're like, okay, anyone can come into our sanctuary and sit where they want to sit. We look at it kind of that way in a purely like quick, that makes sense. But I will say that when we were over in the mission field, um, when my father and I would visit places, they do, there was this issue of holding certain people in esteem over other people, even though we were all Christians. We were all brothers and sisters. Sometimes it was because of color. Sometimes it was because of clothing. Sometimes it was because they were really trying to honor. Um, so I don't, wanna, I, don't want to, I don't want to rip apart that, that desire. They wanted to honor some people who were visiting but at the same time, you're creating a class level in Christ where there should be no class level. And it was easier to see here than it is here. I'm sorry, it was easier to see there than it was here. Because here, it's not a seating thing. There's plenty of room. It might not just be a resource thing because there's plenty of resources. But over there, we could walk in. It could be monsoon rains outside, And they would ask us to come sit in the front on chairs while everyone else, including mostly the women and children, were sitting in the rain or out outside. And this this concept like you could just you could just go to some places and you could teach the book of James the entire time until it gets seeped into culture. And that's how it was there, and it was like that in other places too, that we would go. Sometimes you still see it here, sometimes you still see um we're, you know, we're rural. We don't care about as much of this stuff, it seems. Um, but, you know, you go places and you're a visitor and you see some with the suits are sitting in the front and it's just kind of got that feel. Or if you're visiting and a certain person will be visiting, even though they have nothing to do with the sermon, maybe we'll seat them up front. And the thing that's remarkable about that is that when they're writing here in James, they're even using seating as an example. Like, watching different things. And so the, you, you, we as a culture, we have, to be, we have to be very concerned about honor versus exclusion, finding that balance. And I'm not sure that a lot of people look at it like that. Um, but I think it's something we need to think about. Also, as a church, like, how do you, you know, it comes down to how do you spend your money? You know, there's, there's different things what groups are you trying to, are you spending money on groups that you are just more familiar with and you feel more comfortable with? Are you giving preference to something when maybe there's a need somewhere else, you're just very uncomfortable with it and you don't know what to do about it, like that type of thing? Um, but he goes on here. So um, 
Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? And here, I think, is, is contextual. I don't think that he's preaching against all the rich. Some people may look at this and be like, socialism. I don't think that that's what is happening here. I think he's talking about specific circumstances. But I will say in 2,000 years, kind of feels like that sometimes still. Um, keeping the poor man down see that now we can identify cycles of poverty and things and we can see you know from a christian perspective we see some spiritual aspects and we see some physical aspects but uh again impartiality um don't judge based on appearances do not give preference based on income i think we can take that from those pretty clearly i don't think that's heavy teaching what I would also worry about is I've also been places where people don't have a lot. And if, like, we, we don't dress super fancy here. And if someone were to come in in a suit, would we feel off put by someone coming in in a suit? So there's that reversal, too, that you just got to let people be the people they are in the way that they, you know, the way that they feel they need to come. Um, again, not the appearances. Don't be worried about that. If you really fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. For he who has said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you're still a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I think we can take away, we need to watch what we judge. We need to watch who we judge, why we judge. That's not saying notice things and be careful. That's talking about you've made judgments in your heart and now your actions are following through from judgments you've made in your heart. Um, he's made it clear, no partiality. So this, we've started talking about judging who we're giving preferential treatment to partiality. And now we get into James 2.14. Um, so he's continuing on. And what good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for their body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless. 
So there he's just giving the example. Um, the Jews at the time, one of the things that they would always repeat and say is our God is one. Again, making a distinction between their God and the gods of the other country countries. Our God is one. He's one. He is the one. So they say that, and then um, they're reminded that even the demons know that. So it's more than just knowing this. It's more than just the knowledge of something in your head regarding salvation. There's something else that is needed to show this faith. Again, you're not saved by this stuff. We'll talk about that. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. We'll talk about that word justified. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out the other way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So we know the story of Abraham probably fairly well. We talked about Rahab a couple weeks back when we were talking about baptism and believing loyalty. We talked about how Rahab, when the spies entered her city, Rahab knew what Yahweh was doing. She knew what had happened with the Red Sea. She knew what had happened, how they had already killed many giants. And she knew that it was just a matter of time. Her city was kaput. And she believed in what Yahweh was doing. She believed that Yahweh was God number one. He is the one above all. However, a lot of the people in the city could say that they believed that. They'd already heard the Red Sea rumors. They'd already heard the story of the giants falling. What Rahab does, though, and what's counted to her as faith, and that she's talked about, I believe, in Hebrews, too, what, what counts to her is the fact that she then, with that knowledge, with that belief, went through with what was desired, which was the works, which was sending the spies back out, delivering them into safety. She knew what was going on. She knew the truth, and she didn't just sit on the truth, she acted out of that truth. That's what's being portrayed here, that is what's being with Abraham. Abraham gets up from another country, right at the beginning God tells him go, he abandons whatever gods were in his country, he travels across the desert to a new place, Um, and this is all based on faith. He could just be like living with his dad still. And just be like, oh yeah, yeah, God has, God has this for me. This is great. I now love Yahweh. This is wonderful. I'm going to chill with my family and stay in this city. He didn't do that. He left. The whole time God is testing him and his response in faith are these works. The different things that he did. Ultimately, then after the ultimate test of faith, God finally got him his legitimate child that he wanted. And then God puts that up on the altar. And Abraham still goes through, still makes his decisions. And that was the ultimate test of faith. And that's why they, you know, it's considered to him as righteousness. There was no law of Moses. There was no commands. It was purely belief and loyalty in God. And Abraham showed that by doing what he did. That's, what, that's what's being, it's, it's these works that validate your faith. Reading through it, the first thing, the first mistake we can make is equating faith and works as opposites. 
Some people, when they read this, you'll see people, you even go on YouTube if you type in faith and works, but faith versus works. It's not a versus thing. If you've grown up thinking it's a versus thing, don't believe that anymore. That's an ungodly belief. Faith and works go hand in hand. It's not a, it's not a competing thing. It's not like, I'm more faith, the importance of faith. I'm more importance on works. Some people, they do this weird dichotomy thing. Don't. It's not. You don't have to do that. Faith is the opposite of unbelief. And good works, you could say, would be the opposite of laziness or selfishness. Justified in this context, when you look at the word, can be thought more of as validated. Um, some people hear justified and they automatically go back to the justification brought through salvation. And that's not what's, it's, it's not that same word. So justified, think of it more as a validation thing. Back in the day, the context of justified was looked at a little differently. Maybe we need to update that in our Bibles of the word itself, how we translate it. Um, if you have faith, you will have works. That's what this is saying. Faith is the foundation, and you build on that foundation that we are given. Uh, Jesus talks about a little bit about works, and then when he's talking about works, he gets into the man that built on the sand and the man that built on the rock. And I think that that's, that's a good, think about it as a foundation. Jesus put that foundation. Faith is that foundation. Your foundation is your faith in Christ. And then from there, then, then we, we're building on that foundation. We're building on that rock. Um, we didn't build that foundation. The foundation was free. We just say and mean that, yes, I believe, to re- I receive. If salvation requires us, then Jesus did not complete his job, and we have to finish it. So again, I'm not saying works save you. just want to make that clear throughout this. Um, so faith and works, going hand in hand. If you got faith, show me your works. That's what's being said. And uh, it's, not, it's not a, uh, it's not like some kind of, you guys aren't doing enough, get it together. You really have faith, do more stuff. That's not what I'm trying to say. But just as it's a day of serving, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. And then it kind of leads into one of the heroes of, one of my heroes of the faith, uh, Pastor Musharraf, who we, we support in Bangladesh. And uh, here's a guy who left the world of Islam and professes Jesus Christ. And for him, it's, it's that faith is there, but also you see the works and you see what he's doing. And a lot of you have been supporting what he's doing, whether it's giving change in there or just giving regular offering because we pay, we pay monthly support to him on top of the special project stuff. And I just wanted to show you, we were going to talk about the wells and stuff earlier this summer. I was like, you know what, this is a great place for us on a day of service to just kind of look at what you guys are supporting and what he's doing and uh, what he's doing well. So he has been, this is kind of fun because we just had our baptism service. He's been baptizing. He baptizes all over. Doesn't seem to uh, care what he's using like a storage basin on the, the left there, and then that's one of the fish ponds. I think that might actually be his fish pond. Um, I'll show a different picture of it later. But uh, he's using what he's got, and it's getting done. And uh, people are converting from other religions, and they're becoming Christians. And he is going all over the place in Bangladesh doing this. Um, so the baptisms are happening um, I wanted to show this because we were just taking communion. We talked about baptism and communion last time. This is their communion. Looks different than ours. 
Same thing, though. Um, basically, our trays might look a little fancier. And our cups are a little smaller. But they're having, you know, they're taking the Lord's meal together, too, over there. Uh, this is the church building that he's been building and adding on to. Um, Grace and Truth Church. This is his, he would call it his main his main building. He has multiple churches around where he's working. And this is the one that he's been building through the years with the money going in. Um, kind of like the colors. It's fun and bright. Throwing like the jungle stuff. I like it. Um, you know, talking about bearing fruit physically, he's also been trying to do a good job of getting food going around, uh, around his place on land so that they're growing food for people too. That's a very practical sense. Again, talking about, you know, we just talked about you got hungry people and you're not offering them food, but you're saying, hey, stay warm and nice. And when you can give them food and blankets, you know, it's that type of thing. So they've got stuff going. He's got stuff growing. Um, I don't know how clear some of the pictures, they're just, they're smaller pictures because they're sent on his phone to us. And so if I blow them up, it gets a little blurry. But there's different fruit there. One of those is a mango tree, I believe. Um, more fruit. He likes his fruit. He does a good job of growing fruit. He's got a bunch of weird fruits that I haven't seen before. And uh, he has, I didn't put any pictures of jackfruit on there, but those little weird berry apples are called sugar apples. And uh, I remember seeing those over there and being like, those look really cool. He's got a mango tree up on top. He's got some olives going too somewhere. Um, I don't know what that weird hanging vine makes me think of a vegetable, but it's not. It's a fruit. Um, but anyway, that's just kind of an aside. He did put in his own, um, this, I believe this is on the church property. He did get a fish pond going, and I will say from having been there, um, they're building the wall around that right now too, just to keep flooding so that all of the grossness that can be in other places doesn't come flooding into your fish pond, which is what I was trying to say before before I interrupted myself. So it's a big, it's a fairly well-dug pond, it's a nice pond, um, and you'll see that things around it are not necessarily, you don't see like the animals in the fields where they're using manure, because what happens, and what we were seeing in a lot of fish ponds over there when we were going through, is that all of that farming stuff is all going into their fish ponds, and then their fish are just consuming all of that stuff, and then they're eating these fish, which are not bringing them the health and the wholeness that they need. So... He's done a pretty good job of like keeping it off and, and doing it right. And I think that you're seeing more of that now in Bangladesh. People are, are learning some things and doing things right. And I think that that will help in the long term. Um, but he's got that dug down right now. It's um, something about flooding season, and they were focusing on getting that wall up around it. And so normally that would be filled. We saw a guy getting baptized in that earlier in the pictures when it was more full. When they do a fish pond... A lot of them, are they're just doing little fish. So when they get the fish, they're eating little fish, just quick protein to supplement rice and everything else. He is holding services and training in that building. Um, he's got a Bible school going in that building in addition to regular church services all around. So he's, he's in the process of discipling and bringing people up. Like he's doing everything. He's doing it. Taking care of the spiritual needs, bringing up the next generation of Christians, feeding people. We'll get more into that. Some more teaching. He's currently looking for support. He's trying to build a school, and it will be a primary school. 
he sent me some stuff. I looked through his constitution and from an educator standpoint, and uh, it looks pretty good. Um, so now he's trying to get support for this school, and he will be able to, there's a way that he can teach, I'd have to find it, but there was a way that he can, he can get Christ into that, so that when children are coming, they know full well that they might teach some religion. So, um, this is him before he gives, he does a lot of food giveaways when we send money for food and blankets. I just like to, I like this picture, two pictures, a couple reasons, because he's doing this multiple days. But, but that's him filling the bags. And that's him doing the work. Because when you're over there, you've been around them. We've met a lot of leaders over there that they reach that status where I'm this person in the church. And so if I need to do, if I need to fill these work bags, I'll just have to wait until someone can come over and do it for me because I'm the man of God. And so you run into that a bit. Again, it's that, that exalted place of honor that I believe that is unbiblical. Okay. Um, he's an honored man. People respect him over there. The secular and the, the church respect him. He's still doing the stuff. You know. And he's measuring, you know, he's trying to get people. In this case, he's got, a lot of times he'll give away rice. He'll give away... Um, Rice, potatoes, oil, and sometimes there's a couple other things they'll throw in the bag. So right there, he's, you know, he's measuring out some smaller potatoes, and up top, he's getting things going. You can see some of the oil, like a 20-ounce, like we'd go and buy a 20-ounce Mountain Dew. A lot of times, you go and buy like a 20-ounce cooking oil, and that's just kind of what the supply looks like. So there he is, uh, filling bags. And then he goes around, and he's giving them, and uh, sometimes they'll come to him, Sometimes he takes them out. It's going to depend on his transportation. Everything that he does all around the countryside is on one of those small mopeds. So there's not a lot of carrying space in doing that. But he, they, they do some crazy stuff on those mopeds. Uh, more food giving away, feeding the people at his Bible school, and then some people grabbing some bags to help deliver. Um, this is what lockdown looks like in their towns. So... When we think about our lockdowns, um, this is it. So, like, we're going to walk through with uh, the Bangladesh Rifle Patrol, the BRP, and uh, a few doctors, and we're going to make sure that people are staying where they're at. So, when he talks about lockdowns and when he reaches out, if, I know some of you are friends with him on Facebook, and he'll talk about lockdowns. That's their lockdown. It's, it's pretty serious. So, He's got some favor. He's able to move about a little bit during the lockdowns, but a lot of times when they're locked down, he can't supply the people, and the people can't get those supplies because they're stuck. So yet we think about lockdowns, we think about inconveniences, but like for them, that's like there's, I mean, that's, that's getting your food. That's affecting things that actually life-giving things. Um, getting to the wells. So here's one of the first wells that he got, that he put in with the last, the last batches of money. Um, of course, the kids are right there, ready to try it out. And you got a well in your village now as a kid, and as long as you make sure that well's not getting full of arsenic, they have arsenic problems over there because it's kind of built. Bangladesh is just a, it's a floodplain. So you get whatever is coming through with the flood and that, that material. So... 
wells. This is a nicer well than when we were there. When we were there, they were just kind of putting a well down in a location, but this actually has like brick build around for catching water and looks a little safer instead of the water just going everywhere and it being a muddy mess around the well. So again, he's stepped up his game. Uh, here's another one. This one used, looks like it actually used like concrete as opposed to the bricks. And uh, again, kids anxious to get in there and get water. Uh, this is another one that they put in. Um, same thing, looks like there might be some bricks with some cement on top of the bricks. Um, Jonathan, if you would put push play, this is one that they also got going. This one is actually his. It's just a short video of the water pumping. So there you go. We were to lose everything and all of our equipment was gone. That's a lot of work. So that's it. It's a lot of work. I remember when we were over there, my dad and I did. We tried to help on a couple of them that we put in. We'd go for just a little bit. You know, it was like 95 degrees, 100% humidity. Nuts. And uh, these guys are cranking them out. And so when you're paying, you're putting those wells in. You know, the plastic isn't too bad over there. It's usually, most of the money is going for those, the, the actual nozzle, the big metal thing. And, uh, but they'll go around, they've got carts. You always, that's all bamboo, too. You don't see any wood. Like, you, you're used to, like, wood frames and stuff. Everything's bamboo. So you'll see, like, uh, they'll just bring that stuff in on a cart. And it's not like a cart like, with a person. It's like, or with a dog or something hooked up. It's like, uh, it's a person holding the cart with all the equipment and dropping it off. You get it done, then it's on to the next one. And there's not, you know, the transportation, too. But it's cheap. Like, labor... Labor in Bangladesh is cheap, so um, that's how they, they do those wells for the price that they're doing those wells. Um, so when you're giving money to the wells, that's what's going on, and like they're, um, that's a finished, that's another finished one, and he's got more pictures of the wells. So, um, so that's kind of an update on what's been going on, some of the stuff he's been, he's been uh, showing us and telling us about, and I... Uh, Talk about a guy whose works are matching the faith. And he, sun up to sundown, he just had another child. Um, so now he has a baby at home. His other boys had all grown up. One of them's already at college. The other one's getting close, and he had another baby. So he's going to step into that father role again as far as the little one. Um, they're dealing with they're dealing with Delta variant over there right now, but I think it's it's kind of swept through already over there. Um, yeah, he's one of my heroes. This guy, he he doesn't ever look at anything as impossible, and his response whenever we'd say something, we'd say something kind of slightly outlandish, and he'd be like, "Oh, no problem, we can do that," and. He's a no-problem person, so um, he's living it. And just know that, like, when you give money, like, it's happening, and he's, there's no, there's no overflow. Like, there's no hitting the coffers somewhere else. 
passing things off, doing things. He, he's seeing to it. And uh, for me, I realize that when I give, this is something i got to change in my heart. I worry about that a little bit. I worry about, like, if I give to this. Okay, how much of it is going on to this, this guy who's administrating above and beyond what he needs? And that's just me being a cynical Gen Xer. But that's what I think about. But I can tell you with him, have no fear. Your money's getting put to good use. And, uh, you know, stewardship is a big, is a big, it's something I, people that can steward things well are people that I really look up to. And he, he's a really good steward of the work that God has given him. And uh, so if you're watching Musharraf, we're very, we're very pleased and we look up to you. So yes, so that was kind of the overview. I wanted to talk about works and show you what's been going on in Bangladesh. And that's where I'm going to end it. So we'll pray, and then maybe I'll see some of you when we do our community work thing at 214 in the high school parking lot. Um, So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all the work that you've done. We thank you that the work that you did for us laid that foundation. Lord, that, uh, that Jesus paid a way for us to get back into the family and get back into the family business. And Lord, we love doing things with you. We love making wrong things right. We love stepping into that with you. Your guidance, your justice, your idea of, of how this works and trying to make things better until we get our new earth and our new heaven. And Lord, we love you. Thank you again for that. And I just ask that you would give us strength as we start to do the things that we feel we're supposed to do, the things that we feel the Holy Spirit's telling us to do. Lord, help us to keep an impartial eye and help us to, to just be faithful to what you're saying and who you're bringing into us and who you're asking us to minister to. Um, let us don't, we don't want to get haughty with that, Lord. I just ask that you would just help us to, to keep it simple and be good stewards of what you're asking us to do. So just help us with that and, and disciple us in that direction. And Lord, we love you. We thank you for all of these things. And in your name we pray, Lord. Amen.